Welcome to the new Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Docs in a Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Tamika Perry and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now, here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Tamika Perry. We are so pleased you're joining us today on Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry, and we've got a wonderful, important topic today. We'll be talking about how to overcome overactive bladder. Before we get to that, let me give you a little background on Dr. Perry. She's an associate medical director at WellMed. Uh, Dr. Perry is a graduate from Prairie View A&M University, went on to graduate from Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine, where she was a National Health Service Corps Scholar. Next, she completed her family medicine residency at Methodist Charlton Medical Center, where she served as chief resident. Dr. Perry is board certified by the American Osteopathic Board of Family Physicians. She subsequently earned a master's in public health with an emphasis in health management and policy at the University of North Texas Health Science Center. Dr. Perry is also a diplomat of the American Board of Obesity Medicine, and that may play a role in this show as we talk about overactive bladder. And Dr. Perry, uh, I, I was kidding off the air that, wow, nobody ever comes to you and says, you know, I just can't stop peeing everywhere I go. <laughs> that is absolutely correct. And there's so many reasons why men and women just can't stop peeing. So I am so interested to hear what Dr. Hahn has to say. Well, let me introduce Dr. Esther Hahn. We're delighted to have her with us. Uh, Dr. Hahn is at the USMD Arlington in Arlington, Texas office. She earned her medical degree from Texas College of Osteopathic Medicine in Fort Worth. Dr. Hahn completed a fellowship in female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery at Beaumont Health, completed a residency at Michigan State University, go Spartans, at Detroit Medical Center in Detroit, and Dr. Hahn is board certified in neurological surgery. And Dr. Hahn, that's quite a specialty. We really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. <laughs> so Dr. Hahn, what is it that led you uh, into this specialty? There's so many things you could have done. Yeah, absolutely. That's a common question I think uh, people usually ask. And for me, urology was the perfect specialty for me. There's a lot of quality of life issues um, that aren't often addressed uh, at a primary care level because you just don't have the time. Um, but certainly it's it's something that affects everybody's life, man, woman, whatever, um, just because there's so many um, everyday aspects that are affected. So for me, it was a, a no-brainer helping people with these um, disease processes that sometimes are suffered in silence. So give us a 411 on what is overactive bladder. Yeah, absolutely. So overactive bladder is very, very common. Over 50 million Americans suffer from this. Um, essentially, I break it down like your bladder is a pump. Um, and it's like the heart, right? So it's it's meant to work at a certain pace. However, as we get older, the bladder becomes a little more unstable. Um, so essentially, it's almost like the bladder's prank calling your brain, letting you know that you have to go to the bathroom before it's actual time, actually time. So uh, in patients with overactive bladder, often they're not voiding uh, full bladder amounts. They're just voiding often with small amounts. So a little bit hits the bladder and then their bladder's like, hey, you got to go. But in reality, their bladder's not full. And I, I know there's some people who will complain about 
Uh, you know, if I laugh, I'll leak some urine. If I cough, I'll leak urine versus others who simply, it all bursts loose. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, the bladder is a pump. And then I usually end up explaining the urethra where you pee out of is a pipe. So when we leak with coughing and sneezing, it's a leaky pipe issue. When we leak because we can't make it to the bathroom or sometimes even unaware incontinence where patients are like, I even know I was peeing. And then all of a sudden I found I was wet. That's really more likely a pump issue. But more often than not, I see mixed incontinence, which means you have a little bit of both. And what is it that patients, uh, Tamika, come to you yeah. and say, and, and how do you then address the issues of overactive bladder? Well, it's usually one of two things. It's I have to go to the bathroom all the time and it's inhibiting my lifestyle or I have to go to the bathroom. I'm not making it. And because I have these hygiene continents, even odor issues, like Dr. Han has said, I have stopped being a social person. Mm -hmm. And so and like she says, a lot of times people don't even you know, complain of this until you're at that end point. So they'll say, hey, this is really hindering my everyday life, my quality of life. I, I would agree with that. I mean, I have a lot of patients who come in and they're like, man, I just thought this was normal. You know, like, oh, my grandma had it. My mom had it. They said it was normal. And I often counsel patients, you know, it's very common, but it's not normal to wet yourself at any point in life. So um, it is a very fixable um, problem. But certainly I hope that patients come in well before, you know, them basically becoming a recluse because they're so worried that they're going to have accidents out in public. You know, I have patients who stop wearing light colored clothing because they're right. afraid they're going to leak. Um, they're not able to take their kids or their grandkids, um, you know, wherever they want to go if it's more than a 30 minute journey in the car because they know they're going to have to pull over, um, you know, every 20 minutes, every 30 minutes. Um, you know, if, if they're really starting to withdraw, you know, from just everyday activities. I, I feel like that's almost too late sometimes, but it's not. I mean, we want to help them, but they really certainly should come sooner than that. You know, well, we're going to talk about diagnosis and treatment in just yes. a moment, but I want to remind folks who may have just joined us, you're listening to Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry. Uh, we're talking with uh, Dr. Esther Hahn. Uh, she's a, at USMD in Arlington, and we're talking about overactive bladder. Uh, how do you go about diagnosing what the issue may be? Because I'm assuming uh, there's no same issue for everybody. Now, every patient's unique. I'm sure um, every physician will tell you that. Um, so generally speaking, you know, we want to make sure when a patient comes in, there is a questionnaire um, they fill out that helps sort of dissect um, you know, certain symptoms they're having, uh, we always make sure that the patient's emptying. So sometimes you have some overactive bladder issues, particularly in men usually, um, because they've had an obstructive issue for so long, like an enlarged prostate. And that pump has been basically working over time. And as a muscle contracts more and more, it gets thicker and it won't hold as well either. So that contributes also to the overactive symptoms that um, if you have any obstruction um, will basically um, start manifesting. Um, but basically, we make sure you're emptying well. Um, we go through the questionnaire, and it's got simple questions on it, such as, you know, how many times a day do you use the restroom? Do you um, find, you know, that you're you're leaking um, because you can't make it? Do you find that you're leaking with exercise? All of those things tease it out. Um, and then we, we proceed to do um, usually a cystoscopy to make sure there's nothing going on in the bladder itself. And um, you say, what was that word you used? A cystoscopy. So like a colonoscopy, most people probably have heard of that for the colon. A cystoscopy is what we do as urologists for the bladder. Um, and again, 
when they're usually when the patients come see me, they've already seen uh, someone like Dr. Perry, who may have probably tried some medicines on them um, and they just couldn't tolerate it, didn't do well for them. Uh, and then they're coming to see me. So we usually do um, have them scheduled for a cystoscopy. Again, that's the camera look in the bladder. And if they need it, we usually will also schedule something called a urodynamic study. Um, so I explained that like your heart again is the pump. We do an EKG for the heart. The urodynamic study is like an EKG for the bladder. It really elucidates sort of the functionality of the bladder. And I think one of the issues, Dr. Perry, is you, you can't get Dr. Han looking at the issue unless the patient is forthcoming and there's so much embarrassment involved. It's probably one of those as you're leaving the exam room, the patient says, oh, by the way. Oh, by the way. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, how do you get folks to understand not only is this common, uh, it really isn't something to be embarrassed about. It's a natural dysfunction for a whole lot of folks. Well, to be honest, during the yearly physical of the Medicare annual wellness, I ask a whole bunch of leading questions and I say, you know, stuff just happens over time. Um, this may be one of the things that happened over time. And I asked that. And I asked about not only urinary incontinence or overactive bladder. I also ask about other things that may not be so um, socially acceptable in conversation, like erectile dysfunction. That's my opportunity to kind of get it all in. And during that time is when this is disclosed and I determine, so what can I do about it? Or do they need to see my friend, Dr. Hahn? And how do you make that decision whether to refer or not? Just like Dr. Hahn had said, you know, how long has it been going on? Do I think it's a pump issue or a pipe issue? Have we tried anything before? Is it a lifestyle issue? Are they drinking copious amounts of alcohol or caffeine? Or, you know, are we not exercising? Have we tried Kegel exercises, et cetera, et cetera? And once I've gotten through that, I determine is this appropriate for me to start a medication or do we need more aggressive intervention? And that's where Dr. Hahn would come into play. Now, a lot of people have heard of a Kegel exercise, but have no idea what it is. Okay, well, I'm going to let the expert tell us what it is. <laughs> yeah, so it is so, so common. Um, so when I do an exam on my patients, I always have them Kegel for me. And I would say, you know, I just moved here from my practice in Florida. It's the same about 50% of the time. I mean, patients are really just clenching their butt, which is not a Kegel. Um, yes. So generally speaking, you know, it's really uh, a contraction of your pelvic floor um, in which your um, basically... I tell the patients to kind of think about using those muscles. If you're trying to pee and you want to stop the stream, you want to squeeze those muscles. Like if you clenched your butt, it's not going to do anything. <laughs> it's really yeah, clenching yeah. at the vagina, right? So, um, you know, a lot, of, like I said, 50% of the time, you know, it's not happening. And so um, Dr. Perry had alluded to, you know, Kegels. I usually will send them on to the experts, which is a pelvic floor physical therapist, um, where, where they really, the one-on-one -on -one feedback, if they're interested in working with one, um, um, the studies will show there's really good improvements that can be made. Um, but I always um, put a disclaimer out there, you know, physical therapy is like exercise. So if you're not going to do it, just tell me, I'm not going to refer you. Right, right. You know, I always say six packs don't keep themselves. So you can go right. for that six weeks and you'll get better. But if you don't continue it, it's going to go back to square one. <laughs> I love that new specialty for me. A Kegel floor, a pelvic floor physical therapist. That's a real specialty. Absolutely. They are physical therapists who went under special certification for the pelvic floor. Um, they see men, they see women. There's all sorts of pelvic floor issues out there that I think we probably don't talk about enough. <laughs> right. And, and obviously what you'd like to find is a, a solution that uh, avoids the need 
uh, for surgery, if surgery is ever an option, and we want to talk about that as well. Uh, as you go through the diagnosis and the analysis of your patient, what is it you're looking to hear, Dr. Han? So when I am talking through everything with my patients, um, in terms of once we figured out exactly what's going on, um, I usually make sure they understand, you know, the pump has its own algorithm for treatment. The pipe has its own algorithm for treatment. Um, so we always go through conservative measures first um, for either pelvic floor physical therapy is certainly a, a very appropriate option if they're willing to put in the effort. Um, lifestyle changes we kind of talked about uh, briefly, but weight loss, if it's something that needs to be done, can certainly improve a lot of these outcomes. Um, avoiding caffeine, avoiding, um, you know, spicy foods, whatever irritants that they, they find make things worse. Um, and then we go down, you know, the treatment pathway. And so the next step for overactive bladder or urgent incontinence would be a trial of medications if they haven't had that trial. We obviously go through the side effects that they could potentially have. Um, you know, sometimes the medicines are not appropriate for patients over 70. Um, some of these medicines can cause a little, uh, well, increased risk for dementia, which, you know, is a bad D word that we don't like to say. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants that. Now, hold that thought. No. We're going to we're gonna come right back to you. You say dementia, and I say, wait a minute, let's take a little break here. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to Docs in a Pod. I remembered that. Our <laughs> guest today is Dr. Esther Hahn. Uh, she's with USMD in Arlington, and our co-host, and delight to have her on board, Dr. Tamika Perry. And we will be back in a moment right here on Docs in a Pod. Hi, it's Drew Pearson for my friends at WellMed. As a Hall of Famer, I love it when a quarterback and receiver have a great connection. You can be part of a great connection too. Connecting WellMed's high-quality healthcare with the highest-rated Medicare Advantage plan helps you focus on staying healthy. Call 210-436-6005 or visit wellmedhealthcare.com slash connect. Drew Pearson is a paid spokesperson. Other plans are accepted. For full enrollment details, visit medicare.gov. Who would have thought this would be such a fun conversation? And it is. We're talking about not only producing more urine than you might like, but leaking urine. We're talking about overactive bladders and ways in which it can be diagnosed and treated. I'm Ron Aaron. Along with us is our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry. And our guest today from Arlington, Texas, Dr. Esther Hahn. Uh, she's with USMD there, and uh, she's a specialist in urological surgery and uh, problems of the bladder. And, and Dr. Hahn... Uh, we were talking about diagnosis and treatment. We talked about uh, some of the physical exercises you might do, uh, the Kegel exercise, and you explained uh, what that is. What are other surgical, perhaps, interventions? Uh, years ago, I knew a whole lot of women who would talk about getting their bladder lifted. They go in for surgery, <laughs> and uh, you know, someone would say, hey, I got the answer. We're going to lift that bladder. Oh, I hear that all the time, and I see it all the time on the patient's records, and that is probably the the worst terminology um, out there because it can mean so many different things. I feel like a lot of women were told they got a bladder lift, but um, are unclear whether that was actually for prolapse, which is a whole different issue, or if it was for incontinence. Um, so we always end up having to tease it out. Like, did you do it for leakage? Did you do it because there was something coming out of your vagina? You know, there's all sorts of things we have to figure out. Nowadays, I just want to kind of highlight 
a lot of the procedures we can do, whether it's for stress or urge incontinence, whether it's for the pump or the pipe, can actually be done in the office. Um, so that's actually super exciting for, for my patients who are really trying to avoid anesthesia. Yeah, that's so, cool. Yeah. So for overactive bladder, you know, we have an option of almost like a bladder pacemaker, but we go through a trial in the office, um, you know, so no anesthesia needed. And you'll find out pretty much that night or the next day, whether or not it's working. Um, we have the option of Botox. So, you know, everybody always hears about Botoxing your face and, um, you know, some people do it for excessive sweating. We use it uh, in urology for the bladder. Uh, hey, so doctor, I don't want a pretty bladder. I want to quit leaking. Listen, that's scrotox. That's different. <laughs> that's <laughs> no scrotum. Uh, no, for the bladder, basically, Botox works by actually paralyzing muscle. Um, so that's what people don't really think about. But you can't do, you can't contract, so you don't have wrinkles. For the bladder, it calms it down. It makes it calm down because it can't contract. Wow. Uh, so we have Botox, and then we even have this. I, I describe it almost like a little acupuncture treatment um, through your ankle, like basically behind the ankle bone. It's called PTNS, which is percutaneous tibial nerve stimulation. And so the patients will come in once a week for 30-minute sessions um, for 12 weeks in the beginning where we put a little acupuncture needle in and stimulate it. And the reason that works is because that nerve feeds into the sacral nerve, um, which is essentially what the bladder pacemaker is targeting. So those are the cool like office-based procedures that we can do for overactive bladder and urge incontinence. And if you have a leaky pipe, the stress incontinence, there's actually a bulking agent that came out, I want to say almost two years ago now in the States. It's been long used in Europe um, because uh, in Europe, some of those countries had eliminated mid-urethral slings, um, which are uh, a mesh product um, to help with stress incontinence. In the States, I want to say it is still FDA approved for mid-urethral slings. It is technically still gold standard. Um, but over the last two years, we've really seen this product take off because it is a bulking agent. So if you think about your urethra as a pipe, we go in and inject um, these little pillows of really what is 97.5% hydrogel, which is made out of water. Um, and we kind of just close that pipe down so that when you jump or sneeze or exercise, you're not leaking. Um, so that's been really uh, just a huge game changer. Um, there's really no downtime. I give my patients or I ask them, give me one day of you know no intercourse, no heavy lifting, no exercise, and then you're back to normal. Um, if they still choose a, a sling, you know I, we discuss options. And if they choose the sling, they do have four weeks of downtime. You know, so that sometimes for my younger patients who have young kids, they're like, I can't do that. I can't lift my kid like that. That's not going to happen. Um, and so, and also for my older patients, we really worry about tissue texture. Um, you know, once you're postmenopausal, that tissue is very thin. And when we add mesh in, we really have to consider those things. Um, now, when you bulk up the urethra uh, so that when you jump around, it doesn't open, how do you open it when you need to urinate? <laughs> so it is still something that naturally you're able to pee past. Um, so it is a procedure that I say can be done in the office, and we, we do. We do a lot of it in the office. If you're afraid of needles and, and such, then we do offer anesthesia. Um, <laughs> but in the office, we make sure you can pee before you go. Um, and the beauty of it is uh, for some of my patients, if they're having a difficult time peeing afterwards, which is a small handful, we just pass a catheter in and out, and it opens it up. It kind of molds it open enough that it's not a problem. Now, I had mentioned to you off the air uh, there are a whole lot of folks who uh, may have uh, AFib or other issues with the heart and lungs, and they need to get water off of there. And so they're on a diuretic, a water pill. 
uh, warfarin or uh, torsamide or any one of the others. Uh, how does that affect uh, their dealing with overactive bladder? Because when you're on a diuretic, man, when you got to go, you got to go. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I certainly have a lot of patients um, who are on these medications. And, you know, it's it's part education. Of course, when you take it, you know, within the next four hours, you're going to expect yourself to pee. Um, the difference is I, I need your bladder to work appropriately. So even though you're making all this urine, your bladder should be able to store that normal amount, which is about 400 to 500 milliliters, like about a half liter uh, for the average size person. Um, so when you have an overactive bladder, I'm not doing anything to prevent your kidneys from making this urine. I'm just trying to help your bladder store like it's supposed to. And when you say uh, milliliters, what does that equal in cups or half cups? Um, that's a good question. I usually just have patients imagine a two liter bottle and I'm like a quarter of that two liter soda bottle. That's that's your average bladder capacity. <laughs> and that's what your bladder ought to hold. Correct. Yeah. But and we're it's what you half that, you know, if you have really bad overactive bladder. And what you need to be able to do then is uh, totally empty your bladder, uh, which, as you said, for some people, Tamika's shaking her head. Yes, for some people. Yes. Uh, that's a problem. You don't totally empty the bladder. How do you know whether it's empty or not? It, it doesn't have a fuel gauge like your gas tank. Well, we got one in the office. Uh, we do a little ultrasound <laughs> scan um, and it shows us an estimated amount of how much you have left in there. Um, so certainly we always, that was one of the things, you know, we always check your post-void residual, meaning you pee for us and we scan you just to make sure you're emptying. Um, because if you're not emptying and you're having all these symptoms, that's a whole different ballgame there. Uh, and, you know, sometimes there's something called overflow incontinence. If you imagine a cup under a running faucet, at some point it's going to come out, right? So we got to make sure these things are all, you know, documented. <laughs> so how then, if if you, you you aren't emptying, how do you train your bladder to pump it all out? Oh, that's always a good question too. So um, we have a lot of techniques. We've talked about overactive bladder. So basically we calm a hyper bladder down. Um, now, if you, you have a sleepy bladder, that's what I call it. Um, there's really only one option um, to kind of wake a sleepy bladder up. And it's actually that bladder pacemaker we talked about for the overactive bladder. It's also indicated for urinary retention patients, those who don't urinate um, and they don't have any kind of obstruction like a big prostate. Um, it's really there as like a, a nerve rehab is what I like to think about it. Um, so it calms a, a hyper bladder down and it wakes the sleepy bladder up. As you hear all of this, Tamika, what do you think? Well, I think she's absolutely right. I think the important thing is for the patients to disclose to their, their physician that they're having an issue with using the bathroom with peeing, particularly here, you know, and especially to disclose if that, that when you pee, is it blood there? Or are you just peeing a lot? Because it could be other things like diabetes or infection that yeah. can cause these things. So we definitely want to tease those out. Yep. So you have to rule out a lot of stuff. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Everybody gets to pee in a cup when they come to the urologist office. That's right. Probably with Dr. Perry too. <laughs> yep. Yep. I did that's want to mention, if that's okay. Um, so uh, something that we don't even talk about more than urinary incontinence is fecal incontinence. And the studies will show about a third of patients with urinary urge incontinence or overactive bladder will also have fecal incontinence. Um, and that is something that we can also treat. And you know, really, honestly, is probably more debilitating than urge urinary incontinence. I would think. Uh, and is that common? It is. Uh, yeah, about one in 12 Americans have it. So it That's is another thing common. nobody wants to talk about. 
No, that it's actually something that I think, you know, for my specialty, we're really in the questionnaires, um, you know, the patients will fill it out. Uh, so we're seeing quite a bit of it. Um, it matches, you know, what the studies will say. It, it's just that it's not a common question to ask from a provider standpoint. Now, is that a muscular problem? You can't just close off the anus? Um, so sometimes it is, you know, from traumatic childbirth or whatnot, from surgeries. Um, actually, a lot of the bowel and the bladder are very intimately connected because it's the same nerves that innervate both. So I commonly say if you have dysfunction on one side, it's it's not unlikely that you have dysfunction on the other. Um, and so that bladder pacemaker I talked about is actually one of those treatment options for fecal incontinence as well. Ah. And Dr. Perry, do you hear about that from your patients? I do. So it becomes kind of like before it's a, it's starting to inhibit my lifestyle. It's, it's socially embarrassing to me. What can I do about it now? And unfortunately it's a, it's a, it's been going on for a while before they actually bring it to me. We got less than a minute left. Dr. Han, is there any last piece of advice for folks with overactive bladder? I just always encourage people to talk to their providers. You know, if you feel like you can't talk to one, you know, most people have more than one provider, you know, anybody just to be able to reach out. Um, you can also, uh, you know, reach out and find, you know, someone like myself um, if you don't feel comfortable. But these are all things that are very treatable, um, things that you don't need to suffer from. And honestly, if we're able to get women off pads, most of them don't want to be on it, right? They've already stopped using pads because they hit menopause and now they had to start using pads again. For wow. Infections. Thank you. Got to stop you right there. But uh, great advice. Dr. Esther Hahn, we appreciate you being here. And thank you to our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry. I'm Ron Aaron. We appreciate you joining us on Docs in a Pod. Executive producers for Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker, and associate producers are Natalie Ibarra and Maurice Hudson. Thank you for listening to Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And be sure and tune in next week for another edition of Docs in a Pod with Dr. Tamika Perry and Ron Aaron.